What is HyFlex and how does this modality work? Wait, first off, what is course design? And how do we design classes that encourage intrinsic engagement? How do you increase flexibility and honor student agency? Welcome to a Safe Topics mini-series where Sean and Curry talk about why we teach and how we teach. All right, so in addition to organizing content and thinking about how students are going to engage with content, what are you thinking about uh, in terms of community-oriented activities and things like this? So in a simulcasted environment that is also hybrid in the sense that it's like one day a week meeting and then asynchronous stuff. What what's going to be the tethers in your 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 course that brings students together and, and also you know make it meaningful like like are you you know without forcing folks to do group work uh in other words are you thinking um what's going to make that space inviting where they get to know each other get to know you and want to be part of a larger community what do you think <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts on that. And I, I, this is a major area of concern going into this high flex modality because of what you said, like, you know, people zooming in and then people being in the class, like, what do we do to feel like everyone is together? So I want to really be mindful of both things happening at once, um, which I think could lead to some, uh, you know, either really divided focus of like, okay, I got to get the people that are on Zoom involved in, in what we're doing in the class. And then the, the in-person experience that'll be more immediate to all of my senses, I guess. Um, and then also with the divided focus, a more laser focus on uh, planning for these kind of things, because I have to consider all of these different ways that people are experiencing the class. Right. And, you know, in-person, asynchronous, Zoom scheduled, the way that I go about these modalities that I'm more familiar with is in a team-based learning approach. Cool. And the teams themselves are static, right? Like they, they, they stay in the same teams the entire semester. Okay. And so they have these little communities within the larger society of the class or larger community of the class. Yeah. And it typically works out pretty well. These teams kind of take on their own identities as a team, as well as the individuals in the team. Um, but for this, I'm thinking about it differently in that with what we do outside of the live sessions. Um, so the asynchronous engagement in Canvas and our learning management system is still going to have that static team-based learning component. And what I mean is they're going to be in teams that are in Canvas and those teams are going to remain the same. So it's a mix of students. And what I'm imagining is that the mix of students will be some of the students who are always choosing to come to class or sometimes choosing to come to class and some students who are primarily using Zoom as uh, the way that they're attending class. That way, they are in a mix of people that is diverse in the way that they're experiencing the live sessions. And so they can have that kind of community online outside of our, our class times. And then in class, though, I'm thinking random breakout rooms for the people that are Zooming in and then like random assignment group work for the people who are actually physically in the classroom. I'm not confident at this time to mix those up, like, say, people that are in person, you know, 
join Zoom via your device. And because I, I'm trying to be mindful of the technology gap. So I'm not yeah. asking them to join breakout rooms in the, the Zoom um, format when they're attending in person because they're attending in person because that's what they chose. Totally. So does that make sense? Like that's- Yeah, so- yeah. So, okay. So I hear choice, choice is important. So let, let me ask. So the, the way these teams form, is that something you organize? Cause you're looking for certain dynamics you want to build into a group and you don't want to leave that up to sort of them making their own group, or do you empower them to choose their own people and stick with their people? You're talking about um, for the canvas groups? Just for teams, because you said they're they're with their same team all semester long. Mm-hmm. So that's only in the Canvas setting, and then they are randomly assigned to those groups. Got it. Okay. Because cool. of the way Canvas works, I could just do a random grouping of them, and then have that group set right, and then label that the discussion groups for what we do asynchronously. Yeah. In the discussion forums, they'll be just talking to those eight to twelve students for yeah. the entire semester. Um, and then in person, it's different in that I am again, randomly assigning them, but now, you know, and the reason why I kind of like this approach right now, and we'll see once it's implemented, how it works out is because often when I survey students mid semester, or even after the semester, and they've been in these static, the the same teams, the entire semester, they often say things like, oh, well, I wish we could have mixed the groups up. Because I wanted to get to know other students, other perspectives, and or maybe they had some kind of quarreling with, uh, you know, group members or whatever. Um, But I don't typically do that. Like, I don't mix up the groups. And I've heard that feedback kind of consistently, but it's always been from like one or two students at the most. Yeah. So, And what I've also found is that when you have these static groups, you know, you're four, five, six weeks in, they're used to those group members and they don't want to part from them and start, yeah. you know, meeting these other groups and trying to engage in the same ways because yeah. they've already established these working relationships with and learning relationships with um, the students who they know are in their group. So I think you have a really interesting situation here then. So I hear you, my students behave the same. They, you know, they find each other early, early semester. They like each other. Now they have, my colleague calls them comfort groups. So yes. in really intense moments in the semester, I say, go find your comfort group. <laughs> um, but so what's possible here, let me say one more pedagogical move that I think is really powerful. And it's the puzzle group. A lot of us do this where it's like the jigsaw. First, what's that? Jigsaw. jigsaw. Yeah, exactly. Like the jigsaw move, right? So first half of class, you're with the group, build some knowledge, build some content. Second half of group, you're all going to break out and join individuals from all the other groups, right? So you are the alone ambassador for your group's knowledge, and you're going to share that with ambassadors from other groups. I love that because there's no one in the first half of class that can just sit back and let the rest of the group do the stuff because that student is also charged with sharing it afterwards. So like you just build in pressure, but good pressure to like engage and, 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 and guide it so that you're interested, right? So thinking about high flex, you've got asynchronous uh, spaces that are sustained teams. And then you've got synchronous spaces where this sort of puzzling together can, is possible. I could really see that being powerful in that, you know, what the teams do could be shared sort of this jigsaw way in the synchronous session. So like we're going to build up over these weeks some content 
And this one synchronous session, you are responsible as a leader to share it with other teams, whatever, right? Or co co lead or whatever, however it works. So that that's exciting to me. And then the other thing that popped in my head, and I we really don't need to spend a lot of time with this, but there's other things like Pronto, right? Where Zoom could be Zoom, and you don't have to mess with that. But folks could jump into Pronto, start a quick video call, and that could pull anybody from anywhere into a quick you know, new team, whether they're there in the space or online, right? Again, I don't want to get into the technical stuff. Like, I'm just thinking there are possibilities here, I guess, is the point I'm trying to make. Right. And Pronto is a, a tool that's integrated into Canvas that we have available for uh, faculty and students where it's, it's a social and a communication tool, right? Where it could be like text message based. It oh, has that feel to it. Kind of like Discord or those other, right? Yeah. Right, but it's institutionally approved and yes. sanctioned so that, you know. Of course. <laughs> so, yeah, Discord may be like what they what they want and what they use outside. But if we use Pronto, it gives them a similar experience and then something that they can use in the same way that, yeah, they can do. They can jump on video and things like that, or they could just use it purely for text message. What I what I've been using it for is kind of just like getting announcements out. But back to your original um, kind of idea of how this dynamic is uh, maybe going to be present lots of benefits as well as challenges. But what I like is that I'm kind of getting this best of both worlds with the jigsaw structure that you're talking about, because I do imagine these static groups in Canvas, they have these discussions, they're going back and forth on the discussion board, posting assignments there, having those conversations. And then when they're in class and we're, we're doing an activity that is you know, uh, building on what we did on Canvas when we're in class, some people may be in the same team and end up in the same random group in person or in the breakout rooms on Zoom during the live session. And what's great is like, I I imagine people in the groups in, in person saying, oh, I remember when you said this in our team discussion or pointing up to the monitor where we can see the Zoom roster and saying, Oh yeah, you know, Skylar said something like this, and yeah. Skylar's right there. You know, right. like you, yeah. you can see Skylar there, and and that way, um, you know, they're they're validating and 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 using each other's contributions from whatever modality, whatever um, version or whatever component of the modality is um, applicable to whatever we're doing live. If that yeah. makes sense. no, totally, totally, and I'm I'm grappling right now with. Ooh, I wonder if these teams should be more sort of intentionally built to make sure that there's some folks working with other folks. But I'm I'm because this is high flex, right? There's that com- complex sort of element of students could be in the room or online any given week. So you really couldn't say I want at least one Zoom student in every group because you have no idea who that Zoom student would be given on a given week. So what you just said, I think, is is that's probably what will happen, right? It's I know some folks because they're in my team or I know some folks because we met in this puzzle group, jigsaw group situation. And throughout the semester, lots of chances to get to know each other, um, kind of have that sense of connection and then to be able to point each other out as this person has awesome stuff to say. Let's, can we call them in and kind of hear what they have to say? Cause I was in an experience with them earlier, you know? 
Now, the variety of experiences and the things that you're saying and the intentionality of, you know, and maybe even diet, doing some diagnostic work where you're, you know, okay, this would be the ideal group. You know, I did that when we were in person. The way I would set up the groups is if people have taken a class with me before, so they're used to the team-based structure, I'm putting them like one in each group if I can, right? Um, And then then also um, I would ask, with students who have successfully completed five or more classes at the college level and making sure they're represented in each group too, because in a fall semester, you have a lot of incoming um, brand new first time college students and having those more seasoned and experienced students may help with not just the little things in the particulars of our class, but college going culture as well. Right. Yeah. And so that's how I usually do it. That works pretty well um, for the most part. And I'm happy with that that um, to go into it with that intention. Now, high flex, it's PPP. So we're, I'm planning for a pilot in a pandemic. And so <laughs> everything is, this is all new to all of us. Right. And I, if I can get it simple, if I can make this yeah. clear, yeah. Um, that's what we're going to do. But, you know, the, the, in making it simple, it always leads to how can I, you know, complicate things and how can I make it better and, and more dynamic? That comes in the assessment part of this. Maybe that comes mid-semester assessment, but certainly after we're done with this experience, what that community looks and feels like is informing what um, would be possible for the next iteration, uh, especially when we think about being in a different place globally and being in a different place with the level of comfort of being back in a space together in a, in, in a physical sense. Yeah, totally. You, what you just said reminds me of a, um, a podcast episode I listened to not too long ago. The podcast is Ludology. It's mm-hmm. um, professional game designers getting into a, a space and just talking about you know, the, the philosophy of making games and what, what it is to create fun you know, for, for players to experience. The, the episode is Unraveling Complexity. And the whole conversation is about on the user side, you want simple interfaces that kind of expand into more complicated, interesting engagement. And you can't, but that's really hard to think about, right? Because you want to make it complex, but it has to seem simple, right? Or, you know, so that, and I, there's so much in gaming that relates to teaching. So this is what, we go ahead. Do you want to sh- jump in on that? I, I do, because um, right now I'm playing a game uh, and I won't get too much into it, but the game is very complex. Yeah. And it's it, it's like there's all these different worlds and there's all these different characters and there's all these different choices you can make and things you can do. Right. Yeah. But there is a very simple card game that is available everywhere in the game and you could talk to the the computer characters and play cards with them and you win cards from them and lose cards to them and the card game itself the 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 premise of it is so simple and so easy to learn that that it's like that's my favorite part of the game (laughs) so i i I play cards with every computer character that i can sometimes when i don't even want to advance the story or go you know check out all these other things and i think the same thing applies here right like there's so many different options, but sometimes that simple thing is the thing we go back to the most and the thing that we enjoy the most. And, and I think that all of those different things could be part of the experience. Yeah. Well, and it's, and in that situation, that simple thing is a nexus point. So this really complicated 
whatever that at one point is overwhelming, I can then come back to this simplicity that's rewarding. And then when that's, that becomes too simple, kind of boring, and I, I have energy now and I'm, I'm curious, I can then go back to these more complex, you know, engaging spaces. But th- that's the point is that that card game keeps me playing the game. Totally. Yeah. When it gets so complicated, like, you know, when you're playing a game and sorry for anybody who isn't a big gamer and we're kind of geeking out here. <laughs> when you're playing a complex game like that with this like really, you know, a deep storyline and stuff, sometimes you don't you forget or you don't know what to do next. Yeah. But and you could get frustrated. So you you don't want to. And maybe this is the same thing with our classes. It's so complicated that you're frustrated and you don't know what to do next. Yeah. But if you can return to that simple card game, you're back in it at least. And like yeah. you said, then you just as you said, when you get then you get the energy from that to go, OK, I'm going to go try to figure this part out now. Yeah. Yeah. And then so so let's let's extend this analogy a little bit in, in that game. You are playing cards with computer characters. So in uh, a classroom, that could be I am doing a simple thing with content that's preset by the teacher. So maybe that's a three-minute mm-hmm. lecture that I get every Monday. It's a simple thing, but it, and it's familiar. It's easy to do. It's just notes about the lecture or a quiz I take, but it's always rewarding. It's always yes. this connection to the class, right? And, and so there are other games that are more um, uh, multiplayer, right? where there are simple things you do, not with computer uh, animated characters, but with real people, right? And And you need them. And you need them, right? Mm -hmm. This I think is really intriguing to think about. So when I think about building community in my asynchronous classes, I think a lot about Jane McGonigal who wrote Reality is Broken. And Mm -hmm. she looks at World of Warcraft, which is at the time and probably still is like the most popular the most you know mmorpg yes exactly mmorpg what's remarkable is if you look as this jay mcgonical makes this observation if you look at the data of player interactions people in world of warcraft spend more time playing by themselves than they do with other people yes but that is a game that is highly highly social and communities real vibrant communities i've been formed and are forming around that game all the time right and so when I think about my own asynchronous classes, I think about how can I encourage individual engagement, but in shared spaces? And how can I make it compelling to work with each other to accomplish things that you can't otherwise accomplish on your own, right? So instead of group work for group work's sake, it's this sort of tantalizing opportunity to meet people, work with people, and then get to projects like collaborative projects or social annotations or um, listening to someone's proposal for their project and then giving some feedback, right? That, that kind of uh, collaborative move rather than, you know, you're in a group this week and you will do five things and da, 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 da. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe in uh, World of Warcraft and in these MMORPGs, these uh, massive multiplayer online role-playing games that's what mmorpg is um (laughs) that you 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 know yeah most of the time you're playing by yourself and what it's called is a grinding right like you're leveling up and you're getting your skills up and you're doing these things much like we do when we're learning we're reading books by ourselves yes we're watching videos by ourselves we're we're we're, you know googling things by ourselves and then when we enter the social um you know there's a sharing that that's one component but just like in uh, World of Warcraft, there are these these missions or these these quests or these 
things that you you have to go do that you can't do on your own. Right. Right. And yeah. and 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 you and you need people of different roles. Totally. You know, and, and I'm thinking like of a different game series, Final Fantasy, where it's like you you need like a white mage that does the healing. You need a black mage that does the black magic. You need we're really geeking out on this episode. Oh nerdy, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you need the night and you need you know you need all of these different party members because they balance each other right and they balance each other and maybe the enemy that you're uh going up against you can't just fight them you need to use magic so you need the the mage right yeah um the same thing when we're building these team and 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 group um structures is that people are coming in with different roles yeah and and you need everybody in these different ways we're approaching the same content the same concept from these different angles and that has to do with their individual strengths and areas of growth as individuals but it's also the 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 established roles and i know that's something that you do a lot when um you're building these communities is you have rotating but then also assigned leaders can you talk a little bit about that yeah yeah totally so I emphasize this and, and I'm pretty heavy handed about this in my 202 classes, 100. I'm a little, there's opportunities for it, but a little less heavy handed. But yeah, the basic idea is students are assigned once per unit. So they do it three times throughout the semester to lead in some kind of way, right? So when I'm, I'm teaching my on ground scheduled synchronous class, those are small group discussions, right? So they're in, in the same group per, for a whole unit, let's say five students in a group and then once a week, they're in charge of leading one of those discussions in their group. So they're in charge of coming up with some critical thinking questions for that reading. Um, they're in charge of sharing out their group's ideas to the class when it comes time for that, and then starting the conversation or calling for help if they get stuck. Um, so what's awesome about that is it does, it, it sort of honors students as potential leaders. It affirms that in them before, because it's true of all our classes that student leaders emerge right mm -hmm. so but this yeah. sort of this move makes it uh something i call them out and call them into it right but it also does what we were um talking about earlier uh oh man i just lost my thought so let me let me come back to that in a second <laughs> um what what in the asynchronous space it's a little trickier right because i don't have necessarily fixed groups and that dynamic doesn't quite work the same way so the leadership role in my my asynchronous class is more of a lobby situation. So I create this sort of third space where I'm not gonna get in there and guide anything. And, I, and it's ba the basic rules of it is start something, contribute to something and share something, right? So we're, we're heading towards a project and your job is to start a conversation. So maybe like, uh, uh, this is really exciting, I'm gonna do this, or I really have a question about this, I'm not sure, right? So you kind of start a thread share something or i mean sorry contribute to something is maybe you answer that question or you kind of double down on how that's a great idea mm -hmm. and then share something is okay you have a thesis in the work or a resource you found that you know and so you kind of you're actually sharing your work in the space and then maybe that's what someone contributes to they're like oh, that source is amazing i'm going to use it or here's another one you know so um and and so that's that's less a individual leading a small group and it's more that kind of you can't Oh, this is what I was going to say. It facilitates this. You can't do this by yourself situation, right? Like you okay. can't complete the leadership role assignment without people around you. And that's true of the in the classroom situation and the other one too. Um, so, uh, yes, that's. And, that. and what I, so 
with that, and since it's a rotating thing and students experience all the different roles, um, especially the leadership role, um, it does build in very implicitly. Maybe you talk about it explicitly, but implicitly it builds in empathy, right? Because, uh, you know, if you were a leader early in the early in the game, early in the semester, and then later on um, someone else's leader and you see them struggling a bit, you know, it's like they have the empathy of like, oh, yeah, I was a little nervous, too, when I had to take on this role and they can help then you know, um, nudge them along or give them tips on how to perform that role or reminders about what the steps are in the process. And again, that's like the same thing on going on a quest. Like somebody will say, hey, I've been to this thing before. This is, you know, what what we did and how we were successful or why we weren't successful in that situation. And so it is kind of this, uh, this this skill development in the area of empathy without maybe calling it that absolutely and that happens that happens all the time uh i see groups really uh 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 rallying around their group leader to kind of help that leader lead which is amazing right and then the other thing that happens and i i am explicit about this is when it's your turn to lead and you're a little unsure about the reading i've assigned you to lead on come to my office hours and I, and I intentionally have office hours right before, especially synchronous right before the class meets that -hmm. way, the student can pop in, we can have a conversation, they feel good. And then they're now leading that discussion. Well, hold on. Before we conclude here, I just want to, I just want to point out the brilliance of the office hours before the class session. Yeah. I have never thought about that. And I just made all these connections in my head of like, if you have the office hours before the class starts, it is doing wonders for preparing the students for what's about to happen, right? As opposed to what I do and what I see is typical, having them after the class session where you're debriefing and then maybe clarifying something. Best of both worlds would, you know, of course, doing both would be ideal. But if you were going to do it one day, I think preparing for it, it just it raises the level of significance of the class session when you have it before, I feel like, whereas you may be just trying to, again, debrief and and, and give more examples and context for what just happened. That, that's really good. I just wanted to make sure we we pause there and, and hear that idea because maybe that's something that'll get other folks thinking about that too. Cool. That's cool. Right on. Yeah. So these are the ideas, how this will play out in a kind of flipped classroom, synchronous, asynchronous situation. That's where it's blending all that stuff. You know, one thing I'm cognizant of, and we, I won't go into any detail about this because we'll just see how it works is always, always being mindful not to jam square pegs into round holes. Right. And so like what worked here doesn't necessarily work there. And so now I have a good sense of how do I encourage and support leadership synchronously versus asynchronously? How am I going to do it when those things are blended? I'm not sure. (laughs) So we'll see. That is the question on my mind too. And uh, thinking about Okay, if you're doing things on Canvas asynchronously, you're doing things live on Zoom and in person, how do you assess all of this? Right. Yeah. You know, and that's what we'll be looking at next and uh, thinking about all those different approaches. But uh, yeah, well, I feel like we've grinded here and we felt like I felt like I'm leveling up and, uh, (laughs) you know, we're going to we're going to do this again with more preparing for what was my middle P? 
PPP preparing. There's a pandemic in there. There's pandemic was the last planning. one. Planning. No, preparing. Oh, yeah. Planning for a pilot in the pandemic. There, was pilot. there it is. Yes. The high flex pilot. All right. All right. Cool. <laughs> See you next time. See ya. This Safe Topics miniseries is produced and edited by Kelly Barnett, who also created the theme music. James Garcia handles our social media and outreach. Follow us on Instagram at safetopics underscore podcasts. Please rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.